Yes, coming in hot with episode 25 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who lost his voice last week chanting, Stop the count. <laughs> Jobber. How are you, mate? Oh, yeah, good. Biden's oh, president. Vo- voice is back. That's good. The, <laughs> uh, the, the world's a better place this morning. Um, no, it is. It's sad, sad to see Donald go, but um, I think it was time. We got a child back out of the uh, White House and got an adult in there. Um, <laughs> but look, oh. look, there's so much going on. Let's get into it. What happened? Uh, What's the flavor of the pod? The flavor of the pod, well, first of all, we're rich. We've done it, and we don't know if there's going to be a recording next week because the multi, Roger's multi's come in. Unbelievable. Um, it, it's juicy. So um, he had Southampton to win, into Chelsea to win, into Tottenham to win, into a Man City Liverpool draw, 10 units, 10 units down, 150 units return. Easy money was the quote, and sure enough, it was easy money. And you, so said, he was, you said he was crazy and weird, huh? <laughs> no, you said you said the online trolls and bullies are going to torture him, and they, there's no need to. Oh, you they'll can, come. They'll they they'll come. Don't worry about that. They'll, they'll come. And then, and then we're into an opening question. Um, we've got some weekly happenings, fair bit going on. Big round of um, EPL, and um, then we look forward to some internationals and some socials. So let's do opening question. What do you got? All right. So Liverpool and City played out at a one-one draw. However, the talking point has to be Kevin De Bruyne's missed penalty. And he missed, like, he completely missed the target. I just don't think you see enough of that anymore. And a player of De Bruyne's uh, standing, just completely unexpected. So that got me thinking what's your favourite missed penalty and why? Can I choose one from this weekend? Because there's a. Can't a be, rather... It can't be Kevin De Bruyne's one, but yes. Uh, no, my favourite pen is um, Zidane Zidane, uh, 2006 World Cup. The testicular fortitude of the man to um, dink a penalty, slightly kiss the crossbar and go in in a World Cup final um, is just different gravy for me. So uh, it's got to be Zizou. And we might cover a not-so-decent um, penenka. A little bit later on too. So, so that's supposed What's to be your favourite. It was supposed to be your favourite missed pen. So um, you've gone with Zizou's pen. You're just changing the rules again. And I, I am, but you can, you, know, you can have a missed pen, mate. That's fine. Um, I'll have one that goes in. You have a missed one. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should talk about Lookman's penalty soon. Um, my favourite missed pen is, uh, it's a pretty obvious one, I think, uh, John Terry slipping on his ass in Moscow yeah. against Manchester United in the Champions League final, whacking the post. Just the tears of John. I felt like I could have could have drank them and lived forever. Um, it was just such a great memory, especially because it was John Terry. So John Terry, I think, in retirement, everyone's like, he was a great footballer um, and, you know, he's amazing. But when he was playing, I always thought he was a real knob. Um, never liked him. So when it was him of all players to miss the penalty, uh, it just it made me so happy, so deep inside. So John Terry for me. I've chosen a pen that went in because I, I tend to block out the significant missed penalties in my life being um, Southgate, uh, Nicky Butt, and uh, Stuart Pearce in yeah. um, some notable finals. Safe as <laughs> I know. The, the professionals have spoken. I've looked at a couple of online blogs, Quora, Reddit. The best way to deal with grief is to just ignore it. Um, so, look, there's been quite a bit happening in the world of football. So, Eden Hazard has COVID-19. 
Um, he's had a pretty tough year. He's been body shamed quite a bit. Do you think COVID nineteen might be the uh, the way for him to turn his form around? It definitely not going to be the the catalyst he needs to get back on the pitch. But do you feel bad for body shaming him, or you're okay with that still? Uh, yeah, it's not ideal, but I think you sort of you kind of have to professional athletes. Yeah, no, no good. He's had a tough run. Um, I think some of it is self-inflicted, um, but some of it is definitely him just not looking after himself. It's it's so common in uh, in Spain right now, COVID nineteen. But I feel like we're saying like a famous footballer is getting COVID once a week. Like they're not immune, <laughs> like Trump. Yeah, it's just like a regular injury. Yeah, yeah, he's out with COVID. Um, so. I'm moving on to our next body shaming pundit. So Roy Keane called Sergio Aguero overweight and then questioned the size of his shorts. What did you make of this? I think that every now and then I do see a footballer where I'm like, he's carrying too much weight to be a professional footballer and no one really mentions it. So I'm okay with um, Keane calling him out on it um, and – have you seen Aguero? You'd have to probably agree with yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, well, he just doesn't look fit. I think you, you can play it more tactically than Roy's um, <laughs> basically weight shaming. And just like he, he doesn't look fit and he has been injured. But, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look in his best nick right now, Aguero. And the shorts? Yeah, I agree. His shorts are too big. They go down to his knees. How can you play football with shorts down to your knees? Too, <laughs> too long, man. You're a bloody dinosaur. Um, all right, so the next one is uh, quite risque, so I'm going to sort of touch around the edges of this one and you can figure out for yourself what's going on. So Artem Zuba, um, so he's a Russian footballer, has been dropped from the Russian national team after an interesting video of him popped up online. Have you heard about this? And do you want more detail? Um, I haven't heard about this, so more detail would be great. Uh, so there's a, there's a video of Artem online um, by himself and again this is potentially libelous but he's uh, <laughs> it's it's sexual related in nature so um, if you want to go and look it up you can but basically he's uh, for lack of a better word he's pleasuring himself online <laughs> so you can if you can find it do it but it's costing me a spot in the national team um, so next one and we've got to bloody shoot through this so have you seen the video of um, the VAR room chat between Leicester and Wolves. I haven't seen this either, but um, so one yeah. of the one of the penalties I can't remember which one is it's either Jamie Vardy scored his pen or he's missed his pen. But there was a VAR room debate going on about the result of the pen. So that would have been the first one then, because the second one really wasn't controversial. Yeah, so they were they were in the VAR room debating whether or not it was a penalty quite heatedly. So if you're wondering if it goes to VAR and they know the answer, they don't. They sent it back. They actually sent that one back to the referee to have a look at on the ground, and he gave a penner. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's a shambles. Um, so Lazio are in strife after allegedly fabricating coronavirus results. So oh yes, <laughs> Chiro Mobley, Lucas Lever, and Thomas Strafkoska. I've definitely pronounced that wrong. Um, even though it was my best effort, but they've <laughs> forged their coronavirus results. So those three players, all critical Lazio, played even though they had, had positive, positive results. Then they magically had a negative one, and then they had a positive result again on the weekend. So I think Lazio are in a bit of strife there. Yeah, that's um, oh, just terrible behavior, isn't it? Trying to <laughs> like You can imagine if one of those guys knowingly had COVID and they played him anyway to get the points, and then one of the other players 
playing against them got infected and then who knows what you know what type of health their their kids or their wife or their parents uh, are in and pass it on and then then they pass on and yeah. and that's it for them so <laughs> Syria. yeah it's it's terrible i don't know what type of punishment are they are they a points total or fine are they getting really what's happening what what's the severity i don't know yet they're still they're going to it'll be ongoing it depends on who you know i think in italy um but look we'll see with that one so last one is Bayern munich beat Borussia dortmund on the weekend and wrapped up the bundesliga so Bayern a top again that one's done. Um, I imagine sports where it's paying out in the Bundesliga now. No one's going to run them down. But, yeah, classic game, actually. It's 3-2. Um, if you get a chance to watch the highlights, do so. Yeah. Um, the, I think Bayern normally start a bit slower than most other teams, though. So you hear all this um, a lot about, oh, look, they're, they're on top, they're flying, and, um, you know, can they do it? Um, do Bayern need to sack their manager? But I think just over the course and journey of a season, um, you're really going to be better than, than Bayern, especially in the form that they're in now. So, yeah, yeah, I think that was coming. It was just a matter of time, really. Yeah, game over. Um, all right, so let's get into it. So the weekend started with £15.4, Brighton versus Burnley. What would you make of this one? Dyche's boy still in trouble. Dosh's boy still um, still in trouble. There's no doubt about that. But I think um, Lamptey had a, a early chance, didn't he? <laughs> I think, was about um, sixty seconds in. Yeah, um, and I thought he was supposed to be injured for this for this game, where he got a knock the, the week before. He was in doubt, but yeah, he played and he looked good again. Um, I'm enjoying Welbeck being up front um, too, because I think that sort of gives them gives Brighton a, a focal point or someone to play to look to or to play to. So he didn't score, obviously, um, but I thought he did all right and he changed Brighton's um, patterns, passing patterns to, to get forward, I think. So I thought he had a positive impact um, without necessarily, um, you know, running the whole game. And um, and Matt Ryan was back after a bit of a rest, one game off. So now he's back in. What did you think of this? Nil all and, and a little bit underwhelming. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how Brighton didn't win this game. Um, they were just—I thought they were so much better. Burnley, obviously, quite pragmatic, um, but Brighton had—I've got it written down here. Brighton had 19 shots, the most this season without scoring. Um, as you said, Welbeck played well. Neil Morpay was quite disappointing, um, but Lampy and Lana looked good. But I, like Brighton did everything they could except score. Um, they should have taken a number of chances, but. Somehow they didn't. Um, Burnley didn't really even look like snatching it. They're obviously a team that's quite short of confidence. But, yeah, I think Burnley Burnley start – like they're, they're staying competitive, but they're not really looking like winning. Which is Brighton are playing well, but not not scoring and not winning. Um, so I think I – think, so, so what are you saying? Who would you rather be? <laughs> I think you'd rather be Brighton. Like they're, they're creating chances. I feel like Brighton are actually going to batter someone in the coming weeks um, because like 19 shots, if you know three or four of those actually go in – then they could really hurt a team. And they're, they're just playing such good football. Like they're, they're one of the better teams in the league to watch. Um, but, yeah, no, Dyche's boys in big strife. They're in big strife, but a clean sheet, which is a nice change for them. And I think if you're looking for a, a turning point or some positive news coming out of there, I think that's that's something to look at. That Because they're never going to be too prolific up front, Burnley. So, yeah, I think a, a clean sheet is, is a good place to start. And hopefully they can uh, build on that and, yeah, just get some gold. All right, so let's move to uh, are they still our EPL leaders? 
But not anymore. Oh, we'll get to that no. later. But Southampton 2, Newcastle nil. So Saints went top. How far have they come since Leicester beat them 9-0? Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. They um, obviously copped that battering in and there's two reactions or two ways you can go after after a battering like that. And, yeah, they've definitely moved in a positive direction. But they were top by, I think, about – it could have been about 18 hours, I think, because they played the late game on the Friday and then by earlier oh, – it could have been two days even. Anyway, there's, um, Southampton Twitter account tweeted, um, well, that was a roller coaster ride for two days. Um, after they got knocked off their perch. Um, so, yeah, a bit of bounce from Southampton. But what did you think of, of them getting uh, it done? Like just they were so much better than Newcastle. Um, Newcastle were very frustrating. So this was a very convenient time, Saturday morning actually. Um, yeah, New- Newcastle just looked like they were trying to play out and they just kept losing the ball in dangerous positions and it felt like it was just a matter of time before Saints scored again. Um, che-, che Adams was... So impressive for Southampton. He just seemed to be involved in everything good, and that, like they were just never in. It was never in doubt this game. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think Newcastle just hesitated on a couple of passes, like, especially in key areas. I think most of the um, or both goals they gave away just sort of on the edge of their box, where yeah, instead of just looking and seeing the first option, they were like, oh no, nah, maybe I can find something else, and tried to yeah, sort of. Look for the second or third pass, but yeah, there you go. Got got pinched, and and that's how they conceded both of their goals, which will be disappointing for Barusi. You think he would probably prefer to play a little bit more direct than than what they were portraying them. But yeah, Southampton looked good. I thought both keepers had a great game. How this was only two nil, um, I don't know. Yeah, I thought both keepers made some really really good save. Um, Darlow in particular. I know we've made a lot of noise about Darlow on this pod. But, um, yeah, I think he's just extremely underrated and not spoken about enough. Some great saves by him. Yeah. I think if you're if you're Brucey, you're very frustrated with that result because, like, those goals were, um, as you said, like, preventable just due to Newcastle's sort of haphazard nature in possession. Like, if they just yeah. – like, and they, do, they don't play a style that requires a lot of possession. It's basically, like, isolate Almiron or St. Maximin and let them run really fast at players and then Callum Wilson will get on the end of it. Like it's not rocket science, but it's been effective, um, and like that, and like just getting caught out the back like that would be very frustrating. So Carl uh-huh. Darlow, Carl, I want to talk about Carl Darlow's save from Romeo's strike. Yeah, like I was watching that in the commentators, like, oh yeah, that's a, that's you know, it's could have been going over. I'm like, that is an unbelievable save. So that fucking was good. ridiculous. And he's like, oh, Romeo didn't really get out of his feet. And I was like, bullshit. Like, that's a, he crunched it. What yeah. a strike and what a save. Like, I, I thought it was unbelievable. I just didn't think people were giving it enough credit. There's, there's been some great saves this weekend. When we talk about the Leicester game, there's one from Schmeichel that's just outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if you're Brucey in Newcastle, do you start to – I don't know, get a little bit nervous. I mean, you're in 13th with um, 11 points, so an okay start. But you can see um, how they could easily slide down and get into some some danger. Yeah, and I suppose, what are we, eight games in, see like almost a quarter of the way through the season. I think if you just keep picking up points and keeping the pressure off. But um, they've got Chelsea this weekend, then 
Palace, Villa, Brom, Leeds. So they could, like, I'm not being funny, they could win three out of the next five and be in a very mm-hmm. comfortable position um, come sort of just before Christmas. And yeah, then- I think everything's so tight at the moment that it's, especially if you're down the bottom, if you string together some wins, you can really get yourself out of there and, and into mid-table. But having said that, you get a couple of bad results together and down you go. Well, yeah. if we look at uh, – we're going very far ahead, but I just want to jump to Christmas quickly for Newcastle. So oh, you man. go home, you have your Christmas turkey, Brucey reads a crime novel, then you go, bang, we're back. You've got City, Liverpool, Leicester in the space of six days. Mm, yeah, no points from there. Um, no. Brucey put on three kilos though. <laughs> um, and I forgot that he's a bit of a crime buff actually. He is. He is. He's oh, a weird, weird man. But, yeah, no, they need to pick up points in the next month or so or else you, they could slide. Yeah, and Southampton um, into fourth, or that's a sort of how the table landed. They were into first and then finished the weekend in fourth. So a good start for Southampton. Um, but let's go to Sunday's games. Well, where else to start? Everton won, Manchester United three. Tell me why Bruno Fernandes is the best player ever. He did have a good game and he's one shining light for Manchester United at the moment. He is performing a cut above all of their other players, but that's an outrageous call and I refuse to buy into that conversation (laughs) about being the best player ever. But I thought um, Luke Shaw over the last couple of weeks has done rather well, especially in the sort of middle and front third. I think he's defending still requires some improvement. But I thought he had an, another good game. And I think if you look at the Manchester United squad, he's probably um, – well, Fernandez is obviously well out in front, but he's probably in that next sort of bracket of, of players and performances, I think. I thought he's done quite well. Yeah, he's, he seems to be um, – he's quite heavily criticised and he's an easy player to give it to. But like he's been solid enough. You're right, he does have some flaws defensively. He tends to dawdle back a little bit. But generally, going forward, like you can see the difference between him and Juan Basaka, where he's that left hand side is much more threatening than the right hand side in attack. Maybe that's why it stands out a lot to me when I was watching that game that they that he was getting forward and um, and being a lot more dangerous because they don't do it at all down the right hand side. No, so it stands out even more so. But yeah, I thought and as I was watching that game, I was like, oh, this is a couple of weeks in a row, really, or early start of the season where I've seen Luke do rather well. Yeah, yeah I suppose he didn't. He wasn't. Outstanding, but like he does have he does have that in the locker. But um, like this is one of those results where I think people can get carried away quite easily and say, "Oh, yeah, what a win!" Um, I hate to be the the bearer of bad news, but there's still significant problems at Manchester United, and I think Bruno Fernandez' performance got him out of uh, a bit of a hole. So I was at home watching this game, and um, I was thinking about Jamie Vardy. Oddly enough, like you know when Jamie Vardy goes to make a run doesn't work out for him so he scoots back like a kid chasing a car and just sort of gets back in has another go mm-hmm. i watched anthony martial do the same thing it took him he does the same thing yeah, it took yeah. him 15 seconds <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds to just be like because he makes the run gives people like a harsh look you know how he has that look and he's like oh bloody hell gotta play me in yeah yeah you gotta play me so he dawdles back in i was disgusted like, <laughs> I'm disgusted. Then, oh, it's just not that hard for a professional footballer to do. Like, especially mm. a centre forward where you're on, like, you want to be on the last man. And I just thought, oh, so upset. I just think he should be doing better than that. Um, does, um, does his position sort of come into question um, now that Cavani's getting fitter and fitter and Cavani's picked up his first goal? You hope so. 
I think he needs. He needs. I think he's the type of player that needs a like. He can't feel comfortable because if he feels comfortable, the the bad habits slip back in. Yeah, especially with the Manchester United squad pre Cavani coming in, he didn't have any anyone challenging for his position unless Oli changed the structure of the front three. He he got picked every time. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if he if they went with a two or a one up front or something, they might have changed it to a Rashford or something like that, or if there were some injuries. But other than that, he didn't have any competitions for his spot and he played every game. No. And the last thing on this, I wish Sky Sports would stop having Ollie's ex teammates um be pundits on this game. Like they just need to they just need to cut it out completely. Like Phil Neville's like, Oh, it's quite obvious that uh Ollie's got a long term plan there and you're like, No, he doesn't. It's so obvious for everyone to see he doesn't. He's just playing he's a point. Week. Yeah. Yeah, he's stringing week to week. Together, it is. And every time you think he's about to be sacked, he, they get a performance and he's like, oh, the players want to play for him. And I was like, a couple of players look like they want to play for him. Well, All I, of them I, don't. Yeah, I've put that in our, in our group chat where um, I think he sort of kicked away um, when Rashford got the, the goal, which made it 2-1, 32 minutes in. I think I texted you then in the in the group chat and said, like, is this the worst thing that can happen to Manchester United long term? Is like, you just think if you want Oli to go and he's not the man to win you a title, do you just band-aid it and, and get potching? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is band-aided right now and you're not going anywhere. So let's move on to Everton. So start of the season, amazing. Carlo Ancelotti's lost his lost three league games in a row for the first time since November 2006. They seem to be a bit off the pace on Saturday. Um, was the Richarlison absence the key to this, or are they just sort of a bit flat lately? Well, I don't think like missing Richarlison obviously hurts, but I, I don't think it's the only factor. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's gone on, but I think potentially their run of um, of fixtures at the start of the year was a little bit more favourable. Now they're running into some more decent teams. Um, yeah, I think that they're they're falling short, but I think they're they're only falling to where I think that they belong. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I'm not sure that they belong in the in the top four and long term, and won't, probably won't finish the season in that spot. So they're just going to go. Um, back to where I feel they they'll probably settle and where they used to be, sort of around that five, six, seven mark. So, yep, I I think this has come into line with my expectations of them. They did have a great start, but yeah, I'm not sure they can sustain it for for longer term. What What are you thinking? It's um, Richarlison in particular, or I think I think it is a big factor. I think he's so critical to them. Um, I thought James Rodriguez was very disappointing on Saturday night. Like these are why you want. Play, these games are why you want to play like Hummers Rodriguez in your team. Like you want him to stand up against United and pull the strings. Um, he was. He doesn't look fit. No, but he, I don't think like he hasn't looked fit since the bloody World Cup. Um, <laughs> like he's just not. He's he's not a player who moves well. Um, so I think if you're looking at him and hoping that he's going to sort of zoom past someone, it's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but now Richarlison's injury is key. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the international breaks come at a good time now, so Carlo can get the boys in and work his magic, um, get the confidence back. So I think they'll bounce back after the international break, and I think they'll sort of, as you said, they'll sort of hover around that sort of four to nine position. Yep. All right. Oh. So, so Crystal Palace four leads one. Before we even talk about it, I said this had happened. Now proceed. What, well, you picked the game? I picked, I picked Palace to beat Leeds against all odds 
and the boys bloody turned up for me. I think they were favourites, but yeah, there you go. No, just unbelievable tipping. But look, Leeds, like, what happened? Like um, Marco Bielsa said, Palace scored every time Leeds should have. What do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, well, there's some translation stuff going on there, but I I do try and watch his um, his post match interviews, and there's a, have you seen the translator there? Yeah. Yeah, but they'll ask a question. Bielsa will talk for a minute, a minute and a half, and then the translator will just say, um, "Yeah, they deserve the win, and we couldn't string our passes together today." And I'm like, "He didn't say that. There's some more stuff in there. Tell us what he actually said." But I, f- I find that um, a little uh, gives me a little tickle every time I see that. But let's go to probably the highlight of the game: Easy's free kick. Yeah, what a hit! Oh. Jeez. Stunning. He had a really good game, Easy. Um, the the other highlight I had in this game, actually, no, let's get back to the Easy performance. He just looks so dangerous. He also provided the corner for Scott Dan's opener. Um, but like my question with Leeds, well, there's two things I want to touch on here. The question for Leeds is, do they need to be more pragmatic? And Patrick Bamford's offside. Like, should we just tie his arms to his back? Oh. Fuck this um, fucking bar! He's pointing to where he wants the ball. Don't point. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and then, and why they choose to, they they just they call that onside or offside depending on where the VAR guy chooses to put um, the little lines and the reference points. But like, I just if you can't put your arm in the air and, and point to a where you want the ball, like that's at that point you're inhibiting the player's ability to do his job. Like, I don't know. They're just by his feet are behind the defenders, two of the defenders' feet. Like, do you know what I mean? When you see the still, he's like leaning forward and pointing, and his feet are, you know, a, a full yard on um, on side. But yeah, just such a shame to see those goals um, ruled out. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating because like I don't know, I don't know what I want. Like I know you look at that and you're like, as someone who watches football, you're like, that's a goal. Like you can't, mm. like you can't stop a player from pointing to where he wants the ball, but like then you're like, well, we need to be clear on what the rule is because we've tried to make something that potentially wasn't black and white. Now we're trying to make it like a very clear polarity as to what is onside and what is offside, but it's just not that easy. It's not that easy, and I think you're almost better off going back for this rule because it's not working so much. You're almost better off just going back to the lino. Lino, just call what you see because we're. I feel as though we're discussing more offsides now than we ever were. With, yeah. Um, with just the linesman just calling it. Like every now and then you'd have, you know, uh, one that they got wrong or not even wrong, just like I suppose you could interpret it. Um, whether they're affecting the play or whether in line side of the goal or, yeah, whether he was just on or just off. But um, I feel like we're having less conversations back then than we are now and it's supposed to clear all this stuff up. But, uh, yeah, as you say, it, it looks like as a football man, you look at that and go, say, that's a goal. That deserves to be a goal. And it just feels like that someone in a suit somewhere is making a decision who doesn't know football. That's capitalism, mate. Um, Roy Hodgson um, summed it up well and he said, um, we've moved from trial by pundit to trial by VAR. So he's like, the conversations just moved from post-game, the pundits being like, oh, that was onside, that was offside, to VAR in the booth going, that was onside, that was offside. Um, so Roy was Roy was quite circumspect about it, obviously avoiding the question completely. 
But yeah, what do you think for Leeds? Are they like, what are they going to do? They need to fix things. They're they're sliding, um, and you don't want to be in that spot come Christmas. You don't. You've got in the running world. Do they need to be more pragmatic? But I just think that that's just unreasonable from to ask of a Bielsa team. I just don't see them playing that style of football to get them up through the championship and then getting to the prem, um, playing eight games like that and then changing it. I think they'll they'll continue on exactly how they the style of play. Um, it's just a matter of whether they can um, turn results because when they go forward, they do look dangerous. I'm, I watched them um, the whole game against uh, when they played Leicester the other week. And they looked dangerous when they had the ball. They, they moved it quite well, but they're just a bit soft at the back. So I don't think the game style would help that. I think some improved um, defending would, would really um, set them in the right path because they are leaking a lot of goals. Um, how many goals have they conceded? Do you, do you know? I think it's, uh, up to, it's up to 17. So it's 17 equal goals. most in the division. Yeah, that's their problem, the the goals. Are, and so I don't think style of play necessarily affects that because once they're on the ball, they look great and they look dangerous. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Patrick Bamford um, got his goal and obviously had the disallowed goal as well. So I think there is some shining lights there for Leeds, but they are getting dragged down. They've lost three of their last five down into 15. Mm, yeah, and I think they're, they're sort of saved. They're, they do have a bit of space over your know, West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield United of the world. So they're probably it's probably not panic stations yet. But um, yeah, and yeah. I think the, the difference is like if if and when they really get dragged down into that that fight, Leeds have got a performance in them, and they've got goals in them where they can really run a game and and really um, cause some trouble. Whereas some of those other teams around around there, I think later in the season when it gets a bit tighter and um, um, and, you know, more important, there's some six-pointers in there. I just think teams like Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom, Fulham, Brighton, they just look all a little bit more like blunt than, than Leeds do. So I don't think Leeds will get in trouble, I don't think, but they're not going to um, climb up the table too far either. No, so I've dropped below Manchester United now, so that's, that's sort of a yardstick. But, look, let's go on to potentially – the performance of the weekend, maybe? Frank Lampard was purring after Chelsea beat Sheffield United 4-1. What did you think of this one? Did you see how smug he was in his He's post? so right? smug. It's that generation. So it's that Chelsea generation. They're all so smug. So smug. Oh, fucking reel it in, Frank. Um, but no, look, in his defence, they were very impressive. Um, and so they should be after spending the GDP of a country on your forward line in the summer. Um but yeah, what did you think? What 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 impressed you most about Chelsea? Well, everything. I think that their pace, um, they look rather fast and, and um, like on the feet, and their passing looked rather crisp as well. Um, Reese James and Ben Chilwell, they spent a lot of time forward. Geez, they move move forward a lot. Like they almost become um, additional wingers. I, most of the time that, that they spend is forward, but they're both of those guys are just so athletic um, and so fit and so fast that they can just get up and down like that. I thought James and, and Chilwell were really impressive. Um, Jorginho seems to have found his way out of the team, though. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's probably probably fair enough. I don't know if he can play that like high pace style that Chelsea want to play. He's quite like he's quite ponderous on the ball. He plays some good passes and stuff like that, but he's he probably doesn't suit that fast pace that Frank's trying to play. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think you can put better people in there. But um, so Chilwell's goal 
was that the perfect ball from Hackham's age? Like, yeah. literally hit him. He didn't have to do anything. So, he just had to run into it. Run into it. So, um, Hackham, he started the season injured. And I think as you were sort of going through the the Chelsea team and, and how many um, positions were available for them and all the signings they made, I was like, gee, that's a big signing. I'm not sure um, how much game time he's going to ha- get. But I think he's the first one on the team sheet at the moment. He looks great. Yeah, but um, oh, Werner scored again, but I thought Sheffield United were bloody awful. Like I thought they were so poor. They were never in this. Even after they scored, I still thought they were never in this game. Um, they just look, they weren't at the races, and they're in deep strife. <laughs> yeah, they're in trouble. Um, I don't know. Are you brave enough to say that they're going down at this point? No wins in the last five. Yeah, I think so. I think oh, I predicted awesome, it would go down at the start of the season, to be honest. Um, but uh, Chris Wilder said they were naive, and I think he's absolutely right. Like, just giving chances away. They just didn't go – they've gone away from the things that they did so well, which was just really tighten up at the back and then maybe pinch one. Like, they just – they were so easy to cut open. Chelsea could have scored any number of goals in this game. Um but yeah, it's nice, nice to see Tammy Abraham um, start and and get his goal. Um, a big fan of Tammy, so hopefully gets his um, gets his minutes in. And I think if you're playing up front for this Chelsea's team, you're going to score goals. So yeah, good to see him in there. All right, so West Ham one, Fulham nil. So oh, we can talk about let's the goal. Just go. no, the, the game is the game was dead until like the ninetieth minute too. <laughs> What do you think? What do you think? What What do you want to talk about? Oh, just well, there's no need to talk about the first 89 minutes. Let's just go from 90 <laughs> forward. Oh yeah, I think like um, Fulham kind of looked like that they were happy to um, to pick up a point, and the game was sort of petering out that way. Parker sort of had all his all his men tucked in, and then um, yeah, Suchek uh, popped up with a. With a goal, what do you think about the the offside stuff? So a, a ball's been played in, um, and I think Hilaire was offside. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and the um, Parker's saying his defenders had to head it away, which all they could do when they're backtracking so far is to just head it sort of five or ten yards, which then um, got squared to Suchek who just passed in the corner. So what, and I think it was ruled not offside because he wanted, wasn't interfering with play. But Parker was saying um, he did interfere with play because he caused my defender to play at the ball. What were your thoughts on that one first? So Parker is from that smug Chelsea generation too. Um, but I, I agree with him. Like I 100% agree with him. Like, like, what are the defenders supposed to do there? He can't leave it. He can't bring it down because there's a player there. And if he does go in, then they have to clear it. Like, it's a bit of a panic. I, I thought, like, I think for those circumstances, he's he is impacting the play. It's like those weird ones where they're blocking the goalkeeper. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it should have stood. I thought, I think that yeah, they had to react because of his presence, so it should have been offside. Yeah, I agree with that. In the end, I think when I watched it live, I was like, oh yeah. That's that's fine. He's not interfering in play, but hearing Scott's explanation at the end, I was like, oh yeah, he would have had to play that, and that sort of caused him to do that. Where under the old rules, um, the flag would have gone up, yeah. um, and then the keeper could just either call him to duck and and pick it up, or or that that defender can um, yeah just make a different decision whether he engages or not. So yeah, that, that was disappointing. And then so. <laughs> Um, 
Suchek, nice little finish there. Gets his goal again. He's looking really good. And so then we fast forward, fall and take the kick off and just sort of press forward from there. Um, and we're really at the last kick of the game, uh, a daft foul um, given away. And you need a man with um, with bravery, with um, a bit of bollocks about him, um, with a bit of a cool head, with a bit of technique to step up and take the penalty. So you give it to Lookman, new signing. <laughs> One of the worst fucking Panenkas I've ever seen in my life. And um, uh, and who's in goal for West Ham? Who's in goal for West Ham? Fabianski. Fabianski went down and then had time to get back up and then palm it away. Um, that's how bad the penalty was and then full time straight away. But I think uh, Ian Ryan on the comms at the end called it unprofessional. And I just think that if I'm in that Fulham dressing room, and my livelihood's on the line. Uh, you've probably got a, a release clause if you get relegated. You, you've probably got um, bonuses that you're foregoing, and you know you're taking food out of your family's mouth and and looking at people's livelihood. And someone's done that to essentially cost you a point, which is absolutely critical for them um, to push away from West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield United. I genuinely think that I'm fighting that guy at that point. I just think that was just so. Disgraceful. Yeah, I like. I was trying to think about what is going through his head, and the only thing I could land on is so like he's a good Lookman is a good footballer, and he has been a little ray of sunshine in what has been a pretty poor Fulham team. But like, why are you doing that? Like, do you want do you want people to be like, oh wow, look at Lookman, he's so brave, he's gone with the Penanka, as you said before, Zidane, like you know the the balls on the man, like your Lookman. 90th minute, 1-0 down, do you want people to be on social media the next day being like, oh, wow, Panenka, how good's Lookman? Um, he's really mugged him off there. Just like pick a corner and just put it there. Like you're a professional footballer. Who cares what people think? Because that's all that's about for me. Like that's such a social media bullshit penalty attempt where he's just trying to make a reputation for himself. Like just smack it home. Yeah, even if he did um... – Penenka and it went in. I, I still, I obviously wouldn't be as strong as, in my opinion, as I am. But I still think I would have been like, "Geez, what are you doing?" Like, because as you say, all he's doing is looking for some notoriety for someone to talk about him. When I think the professional thing to do would be to just be more clinical um, and yeah, make the keeper make a save or um, or score your goal. That's a professional thing to do. And then they they would have moved on from four points to five points, created some distance with um, West Brom. And I think the season looks a bit different, but I, I just think like if I'm in that team, I'm just thinking, look, I've just worked my bollocks off to um, to get us in a position where we can get um, something out of this game. And and this guy's just throwing it away because he wants to be on, um, on match of the round. Oh, I don't know, just very distasteful. I'm, I'm just trying to work out if, if I'm Scott Parker, what do you do? I think what I'd want to do is – um, dock his wages and, and sack him off and sit him on the bench. But they just need him. So I think they're going to have to play him. But I, I would take great pleasure in um, moving him on if I was Scott Parker. <laughs> I would have thought it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, Scott Scott wasn't happy. Um, but he's sort of said, oh, he's young. I'm disappointed he's angry. But, um, yeah, as you said, like it's fine margins that low in the table. Um, so I think I think Scott's – like I reckon you'd, you'd probably be holding Scott back in the change room. I reckon if you're in a – like I suppose times have changed a bit, but if you're in a Manchester United dressing room in the early 2000s, 
Roy Keane's probably dropped you before you've sat down. Yeah, but there's a line up there to drop you. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah, as if yeah. he's, he's the one. Yeah. Like, I just think that I found it unusual that none of the Fulham players even, like, I don't know, not obviously um, you're not going to get someone clipping someone um, out there, although um, Lee Bowyer might think might <laughs> differently. Um, but you're not going to get someone clipping someone out there, but you're going to have someone argue at him or yell at him. Like, no one even yelled at him. I don't know. And I they had their arms him. around him and they were like, oh, it's so sad for him. I'd be like, oh, fuck you. Like, it's 100% your fault. You made that choice. Um, yeah, it was really, really annoying for a team that low. And, um, yeah, look, let's not let's not go shooting his character. He's got the rest of the season to make up for it, but um, you'd certainly want to see an uptick in his um, in his effort the next couple of weeks to win the fans back, I think, in that one. Yep, he owes them now, for sure. So next one, West Brom versus Spurs. This was an interesting game in the fact that it was quite boring. Um, and Harry Kane came through late there. What did you think of Spurs in this one? Yeah, well, I, I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head where there wasn't a lot to talk about. I think West Brom were a bit dull, um, which is consistent with their season, which is why they are where they are. I think um, – Surprisingly, Spurs were a bit down on this game. I thought there was going to be a bigger margin in this game. Um, nice to see Bale starting for Spurs. Um, and also Harry got a late goal, very important goal for them and took him to 150 goals in the Premier League. So nice return for Harry. Um, good result for Spurs. They went top. For a minute there, um, and then finished in second at the end of the round. So, yeah, not too much else to, to cover in this game. Is it an important goal by Harry? Took him to one fifty. Spurs get the three points, and West Brom stay in the relegation zone. What else do you say? Uh, so there was just the other thing I think was a key moment was Eric Dyer's clearance off the line. Um, from, the header, yeah. Yeah, like I thought. I feel like I got to be carried away with. I thought he did so well to get that out somehow. Like, first of all, to actually clear it, and then, like, there were two players around him. We did enough to sort of nudge it past him. I thought that was really good defending. I just I really enjoyed that moment. Um, and um, the other thing is Mourinho's sorry. really added some grit to this Spurs team. Yeah, you're starting to see it, aren't you? Where I yeah. think previously um, under different regimes, Spurs would have gone on just – this would have petered out to a nil or draw, but Spurs kept pushing and were nice and brave. Um, or potentially they would have um, conceded a late goal, um, as you mentioned, with – um, Dyer's clearance, but yeah, Dyer is a real like Mourinho's a real fan of Dyer, isn't he? He had that incident where he climbed into the crowd last year, and Mourinho, the, nothing really happened. Mourinho didn't do anything about that, but I just think under a, in different circumstances, um, Mourinho would have acted very differently depending on what club he's at and what player it is. Like, can you imagine um, one matter doing that when Jose was at Manchester United? <laughs> Marta couldn't get up the stairs. Um, no, look, it's it's good news for them. And speaking of smug, geez, geez, Jose looks smug at the end of the game. I think he was still riding the high of Harry Kane's goal. Billich yeah, looks Billich looks very frail, and Jose just looks so smug. Yeah, we love Jose, and he deserved his spot at the top of the table for a minute. All right, so moving to the. Unbelievably, the actual top of the table, Leicester City won, Wolverhampton oh. Wanderers nil. Like Leicester riding the highs of VAR. Can they win the league? Like, what's going on at Leicester? 
I don't think they can win the league. I think their their squad is a little thin, and they've got high dependency on a few key players. So something happens to one of those those players, the performances really dip. So those players being uh, Smichael, Madison, and Vardy um, are really key for them. So anything happens to them, I think Leicester are in trouble. But at the moment, they are flying. Um, let's start with the penalty. The cross come in, and it's sort of cracked into the um, defender's hand, his left hand. Um, and this is the one that got discussed in the VAR room. Went back to the ground and then was given a penalty by the referee. What are your thoughts on the penalty? So I I think if you'd asked me the same question two, three years ago, I'd be like, nah, play on. But now that's a penalty. Like, like I think we know now that's a penalty. Like, as in that's, yeah. that for me is more clear. Um, struck the arm, got his arm hanging out. Like, that's probably a penalty in our yep. current world. There's too many penalties, and I if it wasn't a, like if it wasn't a penalty and that was a blanket rule, and that's what they're saying now, then fine. But right now, that is a penalty. So I can't really argue it. I don't necessarily like it, but I think it's a penalty in this world. Yeah, I think I agree. Um it's just the world we live in now that that is is a penalty and and um, and that's all you can do. So that, that was early on in the 14th minute. The second penalty wasn't really up for debate, a definite foul. Um, and and Vardy misses that one, which is a little bit unusual. The keeper made a save. Trishio uh, saved it. It was a good save. Yeah, great save. Yep, good save. Um, but Lester went on to dominate that first half um, and, and then come out for the second half and the tables really turned. I think Wolves sort of got hold of the game in that in that second half. Yeah, the Wolves, Wolves were much better in the second half, but um, like without without really stretching Leicester, I thought Schmeichel made a pretty amazing save oh from my God. Ruben Neves. Yeah. Um, and then the other highlight in the second half there was Christian Fuchs's volley, which almost killed someone. Uh, it hit Johnny, Johnny Evans, and that was fucking moving. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Jeez. Um, but now, look, Leicester probably good for the points. Probably could have finished it off. I think Harvey Barnes had a chance late to finish it. But it was a great tackle from, I want to say, Connor Cody. Mm. Yep, I think um, Leicester probably deserved the points in the end on, on balance. But I think Wolves, um, Wolves did okay as well. But Leicester moves to the top of the table, won their last three, 18 points, one point clear of Spurs and Liverpool. Looking good. Yeah, no, crazy. And like, um, yeah, Brendan, Brendan Rodgers says the squad's impressing him every uh, – no, his love for Leicester is growing more every day. So I don't know, anything could happen for the Foxes. Okay. Okay, so moving on to what was the match of the round, and you want to say Arsenal Villa again, but no, City Liverpool. What'd you make of this one? It's a, it's just all about the penalties, isn't it? Unfortunately, but um, I was really looking forward to this game. Um, I thought technically it lived up to the billing. I think it was a bit of a chess match, and you could see sort of what both teams were doing on. Um, on the presses and counter presses and stuff like that. It's just so fascinating to watch. And the ball the ball movement in this game is so much faster than the um, other games in, in this round, I think. Yeah, it's, as yeah, you were saying that, I was thinking I wanted to say it was a chess match, but my God, it was fast. Fast, right? Yeah. Like, yep. oh, just did, you, did you notice while we're just staying on the speed of it, I know I'm jumping ahead in, in terms of minutes of the game, but while just staying on the speed of it, don't you think that the game sort of slowed down at about 60, 70 minutes? 
Yeah. I just found a notable drop off in the pace of the game. Um, probably fatigue and both managers at the end carrying on about um, they need five subs. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out if that was fatigue or City just sort of got on top, and that was the way that they decided yeah. they wanted to play they the game. Because, mm. um, and as as you say, they like sort of keep the ball and they sort of strangle the opposition. And I felt I didn't know if that was a byproduct of the pace we'd seen, or if it was just City actually got on top and started controlling the tempo a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I suppose I thought it was fatigue in my head, but yeah, I see. I see that point. But I suppose let's go to the pens, Walkers. Challenge on uh, money. What do you think? It's so good to just see an obvious penalty, isn't it? Like, just so so clumsy from Kyle. Roy Keane, obviously, is my favourite pundit, and he's like, everyone telling me how good he's going. He's, he's not. He's so clumsy, and it was. Like, Kyle Walker gets away with a lot of things due to how quick he is. But Mane's like the quickest man in the universe, so you can't get away with that sort of shit. With Mane, because like Walker's trying to cut across him, like and he's already made, like he's already beaten, he's made the mistake. Mm. Um, so Mane cuts across him, and Walker just like no one argued with it. He just cut across him, and it was oh, that's a pen. But, yeah, he made his initial mistake so much worse by trying to um, cut across him like that, and yeah, a, a definite pen. Yeah, um, no problem with it. And uh, my money. Yeah, now, I just wonder, did you see, and maybe people didn't pay attention to this, but did you see the celebration between Saleh uh, Sala and Mane? Yeah, they had words or something, right? Yeah, they I did. I didn't, I didn't under, I, obviously, I don't speak. Um, well, I, don't, I couldn't tell if it was English or whatever, but they didn't seem happy with each other. But I can't work out why because Mo always takes the penalties. I don't think the who took the penalty was really up for debate, so I'm a bit confused by that. Yeah, I, I don't know, but they did seem to be they did seem to be unhappy with each other. Um, that but, relationship continues to bubble along, doesn't it? If you had to pick one, who would it be? Oh, that's tough. Yeah, I, I think probably Mo because I think not judging on what they've both done, but I think judging on where they're going to end up in their career, you'd keep Mo. Oh, so I think they're a similar age. I would have gone for Mane. But, look, we'll save that for another yeah. day because I think yeah, we're, but Ma- we're... Mane's game, Mane's game dis- will disappear when his pace disappears, whereas I think um, I think Salah's got some evolution in his game where he can still operate without his electric pace. But yeah. Let's park Not it for now because Mane. we can talk about this for hours and I don't want to make it sound like an issue there if no one else thinks there is. But, um, like, first half, City were happy to play deep and that Liverpool front four... Just looked so ominous. Like there was sort of, there was this grey cloud hanging above where you're like anything could happen here. Um, we spoke about that where we thought who was going to start for Mino or Jota, but he squeezed all four of them in there. Jota played for Mino, played Mane, played and Salah played. So brave, so brave from Klopp. He just doesn't give a shit anymore, does he? I loved it when I saw the team. Yeah, um, but I, like it, I just felt like yeah they could have done anything in that first half, but um, it didn't quite happen for him. Um, and they did a really good job in limiting the influence of Kevin De Bruyne in that first half, just through like the intensity of the press and the way they set up Liverpool. Um, so that definitely hurt City. But Gabriel Jesus, did he mean it? Yes, I thought he did. When I watched it live, I was like, he's meant that um, little um, roll through the legs flick turn there. But the commentator was like, nah, he, I'm not sure what he knew about that. So, yeah, I'm saying he did. What do you think? I think he did. I think I think yeah, he absolutely he sold him some candy there. Um, 
and I think if it, if like it's I hate that we're having the debate because this could be a goal for the ages. Like this, oh, this is bird camp. This is like the bird camp no. touch. But this Manchester City versus Liverpool, and he's got the he's got the stones to be doing that. Like, yeah, well, I think that's his job. I don't know. I think you're putting a bit more gravy on. I think it was a nice goal. It wasn't in Burkham's um, level because I think, one, because the, there's a debate over whether he, he meant it or did he not mean it, and two, because he definitely didn't mean the little nutmeg thing that ensued and the um, Trent Alexander-Arnold getting a bit lost behind him. Yeah, Trent's still <laughs> looking for him. Um, but, yeah, look, I thought it was a great goal and if he meant it. So, look, second half, City, City get on top, I think. Um, but then De Bruyne, De Bruyne penalty. Let's talk about that. So, is it a pen? Uh, I think it is a pen. Um, it's very similar to the Leicester one. There's just more distance between the crosser and Joe Gomez in this situation. Yep. So then, there's a pen over there. Smacks Gomez in the arm. Bit of argument, but you're like, yeah, look, you can probably live with it. And De Bruyne smacking across in. There's not much you can do. Um, what happened? It, it wasn't – it's not as if it was that close, to be fair, either. It was like a yard yeah. wide as well. Like it's – I don't know. I think how someone of his calibre from 12 yards can miss a target by so much. I know he's going right for the corner and he's not aiming for the middle of the goal, but like even if he's just aiming for the corner, that's a, that's a foot or, you know, a yard and a bit wider. But that's Kevin. That's Kevin De Bruyne. We're talking about. Like yeah. he could land a ball on a five cent piece from a car park. Like and he's he's missed it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just I, like I had to I had to sort of regain my composure, and I was like, that just didn't happen. Like I'm waiting for someone to say, "I'll oh, take it again," or um, "There's a beach ball on the ground" or something. But like it just didn't it just didn't happen, and we had to come to terms with the fact that he's completely missed the target. It just didn't seem real, did it? The other thing I want to cover while we're watching this penalty is the camera angle. So normally they do it, we go from the side. On this one, they had that sort of sky cam thing from behind. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't like change. It scares me. Um, I felt the same way about the camera in the Manchester United Everton game. I hated it. Oh, I thought you were going to say you felt the same way about the votes. but there you go. <laughs> Stop the count. Um, no, look, yeah, I didn't like it. Just go back to the traditional angle. It didn't add anything for me. So moving on, the other big talking point, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is now injured. What does this mean for Liverpool? Well, it depends on the severity. I think he's off for a scan. Um, what I enjoyed most was Jurgen Klopp very, very quick to jump in and say, um, he's out for England. Can't play for England this weekend. No, no, out, 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 out. And then they're like, oh, and he's going for a scan tomorrow. I'm like, well, how do you know then, Jurgen? But uh, I think it's probably best for um, for him that he sits the England call up out. But, yeah, it depends on the severity of it. I, I mean, even if it's a bad calf, it just calves don't last that long. I think you can only, it's only going to miss sort of five weeks, worst case scenario. So I think he's probably back in the one or two weeks, to be honest. And so, international break comes at a good time. Last last one on this one. So Mo Salah, if he doesn't get a goal, what do you think of his performance? If he doesn't get a goal, what do I think of his performance? I think of the front four, he was probably the least industrious. I think Firmino made some good runs in behind, especially early. He had a, had a chance where he got dragged a little bit wide and ended up with a corner. Mane was busy and and won the pen. I think um, yeah, Jota was um, busy and and getting involved in a lot of the plays. So yeah, of the front four, he was probably the quietest um, without the pen. You've obviously got an angle here. 
No, well, I thought, like, I think the things he did, he did well, but he was, like, he just seemed very quiet. Like, he just didn't seem to be able to get into the game at all. Mm. Um, he played a nice ball in, I think, for Alexander-Arnold, maybe, um, and obviously scored the pen. But, yeah, he just didn't seem to be able to get into the game. Like, I think he's, like, I suppose the upside for Liverpool fans, I think he's got still got more to give. Like, he's still fine. Like, he's had some really good performances, had some quiet performances, but I still think he's sort of getting feeling his way into the season. Yeah. Um, which is great news for Liverpool fans because obviously he's got more to go. And who's no, happier? Who's happier with a point in this one? No, I think Kloppo yeah, is happier with a point. Yeah, I think just based on the distance that Man City need to need to cover, like they're still five points behind, down in tenth, um, whereas Liverpool are in third. Um, so I think yeah, Klopp's happy with a point and to move on from there, and. The do you buy into the five substitutes debate that's going on at the moment, or are you just like, oh, it's three, move on, three, move on, <laughs> three, move on. It's been three for a hundred years. Just leave it. Um, so City off to Spurs next, and Liverpool play the Foxes. So we've got an international break, and then it just comes thick and fast. Yep. No, there's there's no easy games um, lurking around, so that'll be good. Um, uh, all right, so last one. Arsenal nil versus Villa three. You've got the running order here. Arsenal are shit. Um, talk me through that. Um, that is not true. <laughs> it says they're rubbish. But um, just it's a bit unusual, their performance. Like you think you're coming off the um, menu performance and result. Um, you just think that, I mean, I tune into Arsenal fan TV. I see the boys <laughs> up and about. And, um, and then they go and turn in a performance like this. But. Is it? I'm just still grappling with. Is it were Arsenal just a little bit off? Um, and and Villa, they were obviously amazing. But was it Arsenal being a bit off, or or were they just sort of outplayed by Villa? I'm probably leaning towards they were just a bit outplayed by Villa. First of all, all the Villa goals were worldies. But I want to talk about the very first goal, which ended up being a disallowed goal, the McGinn strike with the left foot. Um, it was relatively close, but just absolutely blasted it into the roof of the net. And I just love that noise it makes when it cracks against the back of the net like that. Um, and then this was given offside, I think, because Ross was in the line of sight of the keeper. Are you okay with that offside? I just don't understand the rule anymore. Um, it's it's so – I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. This one I feel like it didn't impact as much as like the – the Fulham one, we were saying, oh, that impacted the game. In his line of sight, stretching a long bow there. Um, I, oh, like, even I, even yeah. if you could see it, I don't think he was saving it because McGinn absolutely cracked it. That was really moving and he was so close. What are you going to do? You're never going to save anything like that, I don't think. No, I don't, I, yeah. And then we looked back a couple of weeks ago to cash for Michael's one. I just don't know anymore. I think I think the um, the off-season needs to be spent with the, the rule book. And someone needs to clear up what offside is and is not anymore. Just leave it alone. Go back to how it was. Just don't change anything. Linesmen, linesmen don't put their flag up anymore, so you don't know. Like even for obvious offsides, and that's that's really annoying me. The time spent that we waste, like when someone runs twenty yards offside and a linesman doesn't put their flag up, go and tuck the ball in the net, and then we've all got to sit through picking the ball up. Going really pisses me off. But look, um, what I could not get my finger on in this game was. Were Arsenal that bad or were Villa that good? And then I think the other question I had was, should Villa have won by more? 
Yeah, I think Villa were that good. I think, as as I said at the start um, of this chat, I, that's where I think I, I've landed. Um, Ollie Watkins looks good. I want to talk about his third goal where you've got Jack Grealish sort of pushing forward. You've got Ballerine um, on his right shoulder and Jack just gives him a firm arm and Ballerine just goes o- over. I think Ballerine for that goal was a fault and he's just so soft. He's gone backwards, Bellerine. Oh, Jack just shrugged him off like he was like he was on a seventeens player or something like that. Yeah, he just looked looked weak. Um and then yeah, Jack little slip ball and, and Ollie Watkins gets his goal. But how good is Ross Barkley at the moment? It's flying, isn't it? It's so good to see Ross Barkley doing well. Like I just think he's one of those players who doesn't fit in the top couple of teams, but he's one of the best players in the next tier. Um and that's that's his like level. And I think he's happy to, like, I'm really happy to see him starting playing. Um, that cross for Ollie Watkins' goal was outrageous. That had to be perfect, and it was. Like, left foot, on the volley, back across. It was just so good to Oh, watch. yeah, what a ball. Oh, my God. But the ball to get him in, I think, was it, uh, who hit that across to him? Oh, I Mings? don't know. Could be. Could be big Mingsy. Mings. And then, yeah, he just back crosses his um, body with the left foot. That's That's really... Quality ball, and you need really strong groins to hit that back across that flat and that hard. So, yeah, he's obviously in the gym, Roscoe. But, yeah, he looks a million bucks, and so do Villa. Yes, yeah, so Grealish, Watkins, Barkley, McGinn, like, all played well. Trezeguet, um, they didn't really have a bad performance, actually, Villa, going through it now. And, and Arsenal, who read out their good players. <laughs> I, honestly, I just can't, I can't express how bad I thought they were. Like, it's just, it's just such a mixed bag with Arsenal. And I think the only thing that's saving um, Arteta from more attention is Manchester United. Yeah, I agree. That, that's a good shout, actually. Um, they're always going to take the the heat before, um, or any other team, really, but um, not just Arsenal. A couple, of weeks, ago, a couple of weeks ago, you thought, uh, like, it looked like Arteta was building something. You know, they won the FA Cup. They looked <laughs> like they were sort of getting more solid. And now they produce this absolute shit show of performance. I just don't know where they stand anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, did Martinez choose the right team? Yeah. <laughs> what was what was his thing? He said that he wanted, he sees Aston Villa as a step up. Yeah. Does he does he know something that everyone else doesn't? Well, at the moment he's not wrong. Villa into sixth, Arsenal floundering in eleventh. So, so yeah. The good thing I mean, for the good thing for Villa too with being sixth is the three teams below them, Everton, Palace, Wolves, take out Man City, but they're all fairly scratchy with their form right now. Like they're not mm. they're not gonna put a bunch of wins together. So they're like they're sixth, two points ahead, but like you can see a bit of like relative comfort for them there. Yeah, I think eventually Man City will close that gap and make it into the top four and will probably be second um, or third in, in all reality. So I think you can expect them to keep climbing. But, yeah, apart from that, I, I agree with that. I think Villa should be um, pushing around the the Leicesters and the um, Evertons and the, the Palaces and Wolves at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Uh, good on them. All right, so that's this week. So we end with <laughs> Arsenal in big trouble. So a couple of internationals this week. So we've got Albania versus Kosovo. The Derby, uh, Netherlands versus Spain, England versus Republic of Ireland, but there's no EPL this weekend. No EPL. So are we cancelling the pod or are we doing a, a preview? What do you think? Uh, to be determined. TVC. TVC. I just don't. If we do, I'm sure we'll have a multi from Roger. 
no doubt about that. But why don't you give everyone the socials and we'll get out of here. Yeah, unbelievable from Roger. Um, right, so the email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, football played on paper. Insta, at football on paper. Twitter, at football on pods. So that's it. That's it. See you guys.